Good evening once again. Be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. And we'll be looking in a few moments at verses 1 through 15. Matthew 10, 1 through 15. Part of our restoration heritage uh, was the beginning early on back in the uh, 1800s, late 1800s of uh, schools of Bible study, schools of preaching. One of the earliest ones was over at Mars Hill in Florence, Brother T.B. Larimore there at Mars Hill uh, for many years had a school, had young men that would come and attend and they were being trained to be evangelists, uh, Bible teachers, and they went out. And uh, largely as a result of that kind of work, uh, here in the North Alabama area around Florence, around this area, uh, we can see the results, just numerous uh, uh, congregations of, of the Lord's Church. Then we come on over into last uh, century, the 20th century, and uh, around the late 50s and early 60s, going through the 60s and even into the 70s, churches of Christ were in a growing spurt. A lot of evangelism was being done, a lot of church planting uh, being done. So much so that there was a perceived call that went out of a preacher shortage. Uh, we need preachers to fill the pulpits and to go out into the fields in evangelism. And thus we began to see schools of preaching spring up. And so many in the 60s and 70s sprang up for the purpose of training evangelists to go out and, and preach the word. And along with that, of course, many others attended those schools just for the uh, benefit of the Bible knowledge, not only studying the Bible, but ways of uh, sharing your faith, uh, personal evangelism. And many of those still exist today. And so it's a good thing. Uh, we need people to know how to take the gospel that saves and effectively go out and share it with others. But way before the uh, 19th century and the 20th century in our present day, there was a school of preaching in Palestine. And uh, the teacher was Jesus himself. Uh, his students uh, were 12 primarily, that we call apostles, he called apostles. The classroom or the uh, villages and cities and the byways and highways of Palestine. And that is the preacher school that uh, I want us to look at tonight. And it's found here in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. I've called this lesson Jesus' Evangelism Model. And all of these schools of preaching uh, that we have, always there are courses uh, dedicated to uh, effectively, more effectively, uh, get out and to share the gospel with the lost. 
not only for preachers and evangelists, but for every Christian. But Jesus uh, had his own evangelism model uh, that he passed on to his apostles, and that's what I want us to look at. Somewhere along the line, uh, I heard of this little slogan among preacher schools that we need to, preachers need to use the KISS method. And that simply means keep it simple, stupid. And uh, that really is what Jesus was doing, except I don't think he would have used that last word, but keep it simple. And what we're going to be looking at is Jesus is training and sending out his apostles for the purpose of preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, it, it is simplicity at its best. And usually the simple works better than the complicated. But let's begin a little bit before chapter 10. And let's look at Matthew 9, beginning with verse 35 and going through verse 38, sort of as a background leading up to our text for tonight. Matthew 9, beginning with verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, this harvest, or the harvest truly, is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so here in this text, we see that Jesus was very active himself, preaching and healing in the cities and villages. Jesus sees the people's need for spiritual guidance. He sees this as he is preaching and healing. He sees it as a great harvest which needs gathering. And he sees the need for workers. Then coming on over into chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, we will read and then we'll pick up there with our text for tonight. Matthew 10, 1 through 6, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Ebeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here in this text, 
We see Jesus sending out his own 12 apostles to gather the harvest. Now, prior to the cross, Jesus was instructing them to only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Very soon afterwards, the gospel would be for all, as we know. Matthew 10, 7 through 15, we'll now read the text and see what comes next. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, require who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. <laughs> Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land uh, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And so here in this text, Jesus actually tells them how to gather the harvest. And I see three simple points that he emphasizes in this great task that he has given them. First of all, he said, preach about the kingdom. That's your message. Preach the kingdom of God. Say it is at hand. Number two, heal the sick. Heal the sick. And then number three, concentrate on those receptive to the word. And that's it. That's his three-pronged method of evangelism that he gave his apostles and commanded them to use as they go into the villages and cities. Well, I think that Jesus' model of evangelism still works today. I see three directives here, the same three that he gave his apostles. For us today, there is a message to preach, and that's the gospel. There is a manner of conduct to consider, be benevolent. And then thirdly, there is a measure of receptivity to monitor. In other words, concentrate on the receptive. It applies to us today as much as it did in the first century. So I want us to look at these three points, these three prongs of Jesus's evangelism model. First of all, there is a message to preach. If you'll notice in verse seven of our text, Matthew 10, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prior to the apostles' message about the kingdom, 
All of their words and their messages was pointing to the cross. They were told to preach the kingdom of God, but involved in that was teaching faith in Jesus as the Son of God. John 8, 24, Jesus said, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. This was the part of what the apostles went out. And in the process of preaching the kingdom, they were preaching that you must believe. You must believe the word of God. They preached repentance in Mark chapter 6 and verse 12. So they went out, the apostles, and preached that people should repent. Repentance was a big feature in the early preaching. Along with faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ was repentance. That was a part of preaching the kingdom that they were to go out and preach. They were to preach that you are to not be ashamed, but to confess freely your belief that I am the Son of God. In Matthew 10, 32, the Bible says, or Jesus, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So this was part and parcel of their preaching the kingdom to the people that they encountered. Now after the cross, and this is talking about us today, our message about the kingdom points back to the cross. We know the Great Commission. That was given after his death, burial, and resurrection and before his ascension back into heaven. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who disbelieves will be condemned. That's part of our message. Acts 2, 22 through 28. After Jesus is back in heaven, the first gospel sermon, there in Acts 2, 22 through 38, Peter stands up among the 12 and he preaches the gospel that Jesus Christ lived. He died and was buried and was raised again and now he is our Lord and Master. He is the Savior. Romans 1 and verse 16. We are told by Paul that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So all of this is now part of our message, uh, and we are to go out. But the message, furthermore, has to be the only message that we are to preach. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 16. 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 18, that is. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. 
to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. And so the gospel is the only message that we are to preach. We're not to preach politics. Jesus didn't send his 12 out and to tell them to rail against the Roman Empire. He didn't send them out to start a revolution to bring back the old Israel. He didn't tell them to get involved in politics. We're not to preach opinions. He didn't tell them to go out and just share whatever, what, what you think about things. Your opinion. He didn't tell them that. Not philosophy. Not theories. Not themes or uh, uh, schemes. Christ and Him crucified. The gospel. And how one receives the gospel and obeys the gospel. That's the message and the only message that we are to preach. So if we are to follow Jesus' model of evangelism, we've got to understand this first point. We have a message to preach, and it is simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then the second point in Jesus' model is what I call one's manner of conduct. In chapter 10 and verse 8, Notice again what Jesus told them to do as they were sent out. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That was to be their manner of conduct. That was to be benevolent. They were to be concerned with people's physical ailments and needs. A message to preach, but at the same time, be aware of those to whom you are preaching, what their needs are. It's important. Of course, the message was to be always accompanied by benevolence. Jesus was the primary example in this. Well, first of all, notice again, back there in the, the other Point, point one, I missed, but I think needs to be mentioned. In 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So again, the gospel only. But we're talking now about the manner of conduct. It was to be accompanied by benevolence. And Jesus, of course, was the example in this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus practiced what he preached. He preached the one central message of the kingdom and all that's involved with it but it was accompanied by healing, physical healing of the people that he met. There were the times when 
he would be out and people would be following him, seeking to hear anything that he had to say. And we know that on occasions, he fed multitudes miraculously. He was concerned that they didn't have food to eat. Here they are. But before they can hear my message, we're going to need to feed them. That was Jesus. And healing was to be a part of preaching the gospel. There in Mark 16, 15, and 16, what we call the Great Commission, a little bit further down, a couple of verses in verse 18, there at the end of the verse it says, they, those who go out and preach the gospel to all the world, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So again, healing was a part of the plan, a part of the message. And our message must also be accompanied by benevolence. Today, we do not have, of course, the assistance of miracles as they did, but there are many ways in which we can extend help to those who are in need. We're familiar with Galatians 6.10 where Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. And so we need to be aware of people's physical needs while we are preaching the one message. The approach that we use when we go out door knocking, we try to incorporate this idea, being concerned with the physical before you can enter into any kind of spiritual discussion. When we knock on a door, uh, if someone answers and they uh, are of the mind to listen to what we have to say, we begin by saying that we are Christians out in the community trying to fulfill the will of our Father, get our Christianity out of the building and out into the community. And uh, we're wanting, we're concerned about people's needs. Is there anyone that you know of, perhaps even yourself, who is in need of prayer? And many times they will say, yes, there is, and we'll name someone, sometimes themselves. And we pray right there on the doorstep because we're interested. It's not a gimmick. It's genuine. Just like Jesus, we are being concerned about their physical needs. After prayer, sometimes we ask, do you have any other need that we might be able to assist you with? And at times, there are some who will say, yes, in fact, there is. And we refer those to the congregation that we're working with in, in that place. And then after that, it sort of opens up the door. And again, it is genuine. We're Christians. We are supposed to pray for people in their needs and their distresses and help them any way that we can. And the amazing thing is that when we do this, it often opens up a door. You can sometimes almost see the, the wall kind of melting down from coolness to uh, being interested in, in what you have to say. And that's when we shift and transition to the spiritual. Let me tell you how uh, we became Christians and share that with you. So, just like Jesus told his apostles, 
Go out and preach the kingdom of God, but also heal the sick and help those in need. And we are to do likewise. But then the third prong of Jesus' model of evangelism is what I call the measure of receptivity. In chapter 10, again, of Matthew, verse 14, And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that home or city, shake off the dust from your feet. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty bold and blunt, isn't it? Can you visualize that uh, being kind of uh, turned away from somebody uh, that they uh, encounter in, in a village or, or a town and literally shaking the dust off of your feet? Uh, I don't know if that was so much literal as something, you know, just to drive the point home. You, you don't need to spend your time there and you need to go elsewhere. But that's what Jesus said. When you leave, shake off the dust of your feet. They were not to waste their time on those who would not hear the word. And neither are we. We want everybody that we come in contact with to hear us, to hear the message, to be led to obedience and to become a Christian. But that's not going to be the case. More often than not, it will not be the case in most of the time. But in Matthew chapter seven, in verse six, listen to the words of Jesus in this regard. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we too are not to waste our time butting their head against a wall with someone who is argumentative, who has no interest or maybe wanting to shut you down and to show you up. There are other people, perhaps next door, down the street, who would welcome what you have to share with them. So don't waste your time with those that obviously, and, and we're not dumb, we can, t we can see the signs. After initial uh, discussion, conversation, you can tell if a person is a seeker or is an agnostic or just indifferent you can tell. And part of Jesus' model for evangelism is to be uh, attuned to that, be sensitive to that. We need to be looking for seekers. And they're out there. Out of a hundred people, you might find one seeker, and that's the one that you're looking for. And put your attention, give your attention to that one who is receptive to the word. Don't have to be ugly, and we shouldn't be ugly, but kindly depart. I think maybe I've shared one incident with you in a past lesson, it seems to me, but one time we were in a Bible study uh, with a group of us in a person's home, and the man, uh, was very strong in a denomination that taught faith only, very strong in that. And he had on the 
wall a screen like this, a large screen, and he had a Bible program. And so as we would go through the study, he would punch in the scripture and it would be up there for us all to see. We came, I wasn't the one leading the study, but one of our colleagues was. And when he came to Mark 16, 15 and 16, there it is up there in red. This is Jesus speaking. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And the man finally just said, uh, hmm, well, you know, I just can't agree with that. Can you imagine? But he did. He said it. So at that point, all of us, we weren't ugly or anything, but at that point, we just closed our Bibles, thanked them for allowing us to come, and we left. No use spending any more time there if somebody can look at the words of Jesus and say, I don't agree with Jesus. Don't need to waste time, if you pardon the expression, on that kind of people. We can spend our time somewhere else with somebody who is more likely to hear us. And so we do need to be attuned to the matter of receptivity and concentrate on those who show an interest and a willing ear to hear the gospel. So bringing these thoughts to a conclusion, it's a very simple approach, but it pretty much embodies everything that should be involved in evangelism and sharing our faith with the lost. And that is that we have a message to preach, only the gospel. We have a manner of conduct to conduct, being attuned to their physical needs, genuinely. And number three, let's be aware of where their heart is. Are they a seeker? Can they become a seeker or not? So bringing all of these thoughts together, in the following verses of our text in Matthew 10, we looked at 7 through 15. But now let's look at verse 16 through 17. Same text, Matthew 10, 16 through 17. Listen to what Jesus told them. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Then in Matthew 10 and verse 22, a few more verses down, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But here it is. But he who endures to the end will be saved. It's part of our salvation. Sharing our faith when there is opportunity. And trying to follow these simple directives from Jesus and how to go about it. Now, we know it for a fact. It's here in our present day and time. We will be hated. We are hated. All this talk about hate and hate crimes and, and things, if, if you don't agree with me, then you hate me. That's here, right here and now. 
And of course, as Christians, we stand out like sore thumbs in the world today. And if we speak out on what the Bible says about things and where you stand, there's no middle ground. You either agree with them or you hate them. And that's against the law. That's where we are. And it's the way it was back then. Jesus told them. So, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. But the reward of preaching the kingdom and enduring persecution is salvation. So we must expect the same in our efforts to preach the gospel. So I hope these uh, thoughts concerning Jesus' approach to evangelism, what he told his apostles as he sent them out on an evangelistic mission, and uh, hopefully it will help us in our endeavors to share the gospel with those who are lost. If you're subject to the gospel invitation tonight, if there are other needs, requests for prayers that you need from this congregation, the invitation song has been announced, and uh, if you need to come and to ask our assistance in any way, we beg you to do so now as we stand and sing. <laughs>